Mary. Lauren. Hi. Hi. Are you ready to learn? I'm ready to learn! So, today we're learning about feng shui and... Not bees. I was supposed to look up bees. I did look up bees. It was not that interesting. There's just not as much drama in the bee world as I wanted there to be. And I figured I would look up something, maybe with a little more drama, maybe with a little more flair. Um, so I looked up monocles. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Monocles. Okay. Mm-hmm. That... This is unexpected. You're right. This is a surprise for me. I, I know. can't say I'm super curious about monocles, but, you know. If you found interest in monocles, then Listen, I am going to be, I'm going to learn something today. I got to say, there's a lot more interesting about monocles than there is about bees, unless you're a beekeeper. Right, right. But if you're a glasses enthusiast like myself, who's had glasses since You're not a glasses four, enthusiast. You're a glasses wearer. All right. You're not I, like, oh, oh, these glasses? Pish posh. I need well, those glasses. <laughs> I could have gotten contacts hmm. all right what do you think about that yeah but you're not like you don't have like 15 pairs of glasses that you got customized or anything it's a different it's a different kind of enthusiast lauren you're it's, just enthused that you can see when you wear them yeah it's like okay. a long term i don't know i'm more i've worn them for so long that i i love them they are me they're okay. who i am that's a problem but i wouldn't we can get to that later I and you know I would be curious to see if I should be switching to monocles. Oh well, I'll tell you right now. The answer <laughs> is no. Okay, <laughs> it's a big no. Okay, well um, that's a, quite the teaser. You're gonna learn just a small amount because there's not that much to learn about them. That's that's how we do it. You know, all right. we want is just. I just want to learn like a little snippet of something. So I have something to talk about at all these parties I'm going to. Yeah. You should just walk into a party and go, anyone remember Monocle? <laughs> anyone or, or I guess if you're doing feng shui, you can just walk into the party and rearrange everything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the host would love that. Yeah. And they'd love that I'm there, first of all, in their home during well, you a pandemic. Me. Oh, okay. And at their super spreader party. Oh, it's a super, that's what they're calling it. Great. Yeah. Well, then yeah, probably the more furniture touching, the better. (laughs) Let's start with feng shui. Okay. What what do you know about it? Or what do you like, what do you think about feng shui? When you hear feng shui, what's your feeling? My feeling is maybe like a room. It's an Asian philosophy of setting up a room to be optimal for I don't really know for calmness, for just, for just life. It just sets you up to be, live your best life. And then maybe your bed has to face a door. Okay. Well, we, uh, you're pretty on, on the ball here because you just, you did my whole thing. It's we're done. That's feng shui. Wow. It is the balance uh, or flow of energy or chi mm. Um in your working and living spaces. So the idea is it is from um, Taoism mm-hmm. philosophy. Um, and it's about just balancing your living and working spaces 
with the natural world. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's very nice and makes me feel organized. And you're going to see why. Oh, you know, I love to be organized. <laughs> so, okay, this is this is a 3,500-year-old uh, idea, by the way. And it started with um, Chinese astrology. So it originated in Chinese really? astrology. So yeah, what so- we've learned the most is that there was a time when people listened to astrologers. Yeah. That's crazy. And... It was actually a big secret in the imperial court. So, you know, what? It, yeah, because they were like, don't tell anyone how we got this furniture so good. Yeah, they were <laughs> like, this is a secret of how we're going to organize cities and, and, uh, oh, it was like a whole urban planning thing. Yeah, it was like a whole, it wasn't well, just like bedrooms. Well, now we're blowing it out of proportion. I don't know if it was an urban planning thing, um, but I think it was just an idea that that was. Throughout not only their, like, what's the emperor's castle called? Palace. Palace. <laughs> oh, boy. Throughout the palace, but also throughout the location the palace is in. <laughs> okay. Are, are you just saying, are you just trying to say, like, have a courtyard in the palace? I don't know. Oh. You know? You looked it up. Okay, well, you know how I do it. All right, all right. Graze the top. All right, let's let's graze this baby. (laughs) All right, right. so now we're gonna go more in depth about things that are more fun than the history of feng shui. Great, I love it. So feng shui is all about balancing your working and living spaces with the natural world. Yes. So the first thing you need to think about when you're about to feng shui your whatever room we'll start with the room mm-hmm. is a thing called commanding position so ooh, that sounds the, kind of scary it is not and i'll tell you why <laughs> commanding position is basically taking the biggest um or the thing you spend the most time in for example a bed in a bedroom mm-hmm. making sure it is furthest from the door Hmm. But not directly across from the door. So this. Oh, is so the opposite of what I was saying, really. Yes. So it is basically why they're like, you don't even want to see the possibility of leaving your bed when you're in it. You want to feel trapped. You want to feel trapped. No, you. So you don't want to be directly across from the door, but you want to be able to see it. Oh, okay. And you don't want your back to the door. Okay. So it's basically putting your bed diagonal to the door. Got it. And facing out so you can see it. Okay. And this just, again, just maintains the balance of the room. But what about the other things in the room? It's like, okay, so I don't want to put my bed Mm -hmm. exactly diagonally from the door because then it would be against the window and the wall. And then Jesse would never be able to get out of the bed okay it's not my problem but should i be doing that so it doesn't have to be exact it has to work for the room oh okay so that is the other thing like if you follow this to a t you'd have a really weird looking (laughs) room Mm -hmm. so that's why they tell you also you have to work with experts like feng shui certified designers okay question about that yeah 
where do I get the training for that? You can get trained at, uh, they have a bunch of design schools. I was really? One, oh, it's yeah. like a, okay. Interesting. Yeah. One's called Mindful Design Feng Shui Is it like, school. it's not like a four-year program. Is this a four-year program? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you get certified and then, you know, if you need help designing your apartment, you can have someone take a look. And I'm sure they do like Zoom stuff right now. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm not going to do it because we just set everything up and it is a small space. And I feel like the feng shui expert would agree with me and I don't want to find out I'm wrong. Oh, wow. You might have to change everything in your apartment. I really just don't want to do that. Okay. So, okay, we have commanding position done. Okay, so other things that might be in a commanding position, for example, are a desk mm-hmm. and a stove. And each of these represents... Oh, so a- the stove. Yeah. Wow. So a bed is you, represents you. A desk represents your career. And a stove represents wealth. So you might want to put your bed, In what your world? Desk- I don't know. Well, it represents leaving that stove alone. Hey, taking up with emperor whatever from ancient China. Okay? I'm the messenger here. All right. That's fair. (laughs) So, obviously, you can't really move your stove. Right. Right? Isn't that strange? I mean, I I guess if I was designing a house, I could. But, I I mean... So where does feng shui start? Like right when you're building the house? I think it's got to. It should. A lot of it is part of designing the rooms in the house. Anyway, I think you should start with building the house too because there is something. Here's the third thing Mm. about about feng shui called bagua. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Mm B-A-G-U-A. Okay. Now let's get, let's get, um. This is pretty intangible. So use your imagination. Okay. Right I'm dreaming right now. It is an energy map superimposed on the floor of your home. Ooh, Ooh. fun and creepy. <laughs> so this map consists of eight areas. Oh my God. Of your life. And I'm going to go over them in a minute. We're going to do a, an exercise with you. Ugh, I got to do something. Do I have to walk around? No, you don't have to walk around. You don't have to move. Don't worry. To be honest, I don't know if I'm comfortable with you enjoying my life. <laughs> so each of these eight areas, <laughs> each of these eight areas corresponds with different shapes, colors, seasons. Wow. Numbers and earthly elements. Numbers? Oh, I want to rid my house of all numbers. Can you help me with that? Mm, I don't know. It's part of the balance. You can't, you can't oh, have no- that's nothing upsetting. at all. Can't have no Which numbers, numbers are there? I don't know. I don't think you have to have a legitimate number, or ju- it just oh, has. There's to be like six. six. Oh, I hate this area. This is where six is. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what we're gonna do? So these there's eight areas, and the ninth is always um, in the center of this map, and it's for your I'm health sorry. and wellness. So are there eight areas or nine? There's nine, but we like to think of them as eight. And then Ugh. it all comes together. And this is why I did want numbers you. in the home. Under you and your health and wellness. Okay, fine. I, I mean, I get it. I just, I'm just not pleased <laughs> that there's a nine. Too many numbers. It's, you know, the problems with growing up with a, a math teacher mom, I guess, is what we're hearing. That's, no. Okay, that has nothing to do with this. Although the fact that I'm saying this does make it sound like I have repressed trauma. I yeah. do not. She never made us do math or anything weird. She's, she made me do math. She was your teacher. 
let's call her up. Oh God, no, please. Yes, we'll have a guest. No, appearance. no, no. Okay, all right. I agreed. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> and then okay. Before we go into the eight areas, I have to tell you one quick thing. There's mm-hmm. also five elements. So uh, there's more numbers. There's more numbers for you okay. to digest. You can just sit there while I, you know, feng shui your life or whatever. You need to have all of these elements. For this balance. Okay, this, this could be a four-year school, though. So, yeah, that's kind of what I felt as well. Um, but we're going to learn a little bit more about it. Go into what makes uh, what makes it feng shui and kind of like what feng shui means. So right. what does feng shui mean? Literally, feng translates to wind and shui translates to water. And this is the Chinese Ooh. language. I know, right? Um, so we have... Earth, metal, Mm. water, wood, and fire. And these are from Tao as well. As we design your palace, we need to know one or two areas. You start with one or three, one to three areas of the Bagua. You don't do it all at once. And that's the big thing with feng shui. If you're doing it all at one time, you're going to be insane. Yes. one, One thing, room by room. Okay. Bagua by Bagua. Energy map by energy map. Yes. So the energy map. Mm. Uh, Let's pretend you're you're looking at your floor map your of of your apartment. Yes. And it's a big square. Mm -hmm. It's not probably because it's New York City. It's it's a my bedroom's rectangular. All right. Uh, We're just gonna pretend it's square. So in the Bagua, we have the eight areas, and I'm gonna go through them. Okay. You're going to tell me which one we're going to work on with you. Oh, it might be the most important thing. Okay. So we have wealth. That's definitely not it. (laughs) Unless we can work on getting me more of it. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's the thing. Oh. So it might be a big one. The second you want to work on is fame and reputation. No. Third, partnership. Oh, okay. Four, family. Oh, that's nice. Five children. No. <laughs> six. Not knowledge. at all. Knowledge. Knowledge. Is six. Ooh. Seven. If I get too good at it, we won't need our podcast, though. I know. So be careful. Yeah. Seven is career. Mm. And eight is helpful people. I don't know what that is, but let's do that. You want helpful people? What does that mean? It means, um, Giving, there's something about giving and taking. Helpful people. Um, helpful people represents benefactors and travel and helpful people. That's what this says. Okay, that's a little weird for me and it's COVID times. Let's do wealth. Okay. We're going to wealth. So I can set up my room so that the money just flows in. So for wealth, we're looking at the upper left-hand corner so let's pretend you're walking into your okay. apartment and the door is behind you. Mm-hmm. Wealth is located in the upper left of your apartment. Okay. So I guess it is um, a bookshelf and then some white space, some empty space. In which room? In the living room. Okay. So you have a, li- a living room is basically your wealth space. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess it's better than the kitchen or bedroom. Yeah. So wealth represents abundance, prosperity. Yes. 
the different shapes you would want to have in that space. Oh, okay. Are columnar. Columns, good. My bookshelf is tall. And rectangular. It's also rectangular. Woo! All right. Wow, I would have thought you would want round. Well, it's kind of round. A column. Colors. Purple. Mm. Oh, we don't have purple in the home. Season. Spring. Okay. Don't know what to do with that. Number. Don't blow a gasket is five. Oh, thank God. (laughs) If you had six, I would have burnt this apartment to the ground. (laughs) Element. Now, is, is wood. Oh, I love that. That's the good one. To be really specific, it's yin wood. As don't have that yin from yin and yang. And I had to look this up. Is there a is there a yin tree? Yeah. So this is what I think it is. I looked up yang and yin on Mindful Design School. Mm. Yin, they're basically opposites of one another. Again, this whole balance thing coming into play. You want me to share my screen for you? No, I'm looking at a picture of the yin-yang tree. Okay, that's not it. Oh, okay. So yin wood would mean the wood has the following attributes. This is me thinking that this is what it is. Dark, wet, moon, female, low, slow, soft, and curves. So okay, I Well, I don't like know a... because the wood is currently in a very solid bookshelf form. Is it dark? Some, it's like a medium color. Okay. Is it soft and curvy? Mm. Mm. Not really, but I don't totally understand what soft, curvy wood is. Like, so good question. Like a live edge coffee table? Uh, For sure. We can really go all out here with our imaginations. And it can be anything. It can be in a sculpture. It can be in like okay, a f- like photograph. It can be anywhere you bring in the wood element. Oh, okay. So it's... even if I have a picture of a tree, that counts. Yep. We do have that. So the area is all about wealth and abundance, energy. So you would have the energy of prosperity mm. with all of these elements. But that's only in that area. It's in that particular area. Got it. To optimize the feng shui of that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what you would need to do in that area. Great. I get it. Done. <laughs> I'm a graduate. I think the whole thing about feng shui, and it's very fun if you look at this map. Feng shui. Yeah. So so in your... In your real life, if you're interested in make the feng sh- fun shui, mm-hmm. that's the only kind. You would take this this map of all those all of those areas I talked about: wealth, fame, helpful people, and you would superimpose it on your own floor map of your apartment and kind of like make it work for your apartment. Right. So, like your this is so awkward, but like your bedroom is honestly where children is located oh no and your bathroom is the worst you want to know what your bathroom is it's kind of funny it's helpful people people. (laughs) (laughs) so feng shui look it up do it on your own or hire someone whatever you want i feel like uh a lot of people are doing 
this kind of thing in quarantine right now because you're you're in your house for so long you've got time to get some wavy elements yeah and to feel really comfortable in your space and enjoy it and feel the flow and the energy and the chi great so that's that's feng shui lauren okay cool you ready to learn about monocles yes Okay, so what is a monocle? Let me tell you. A monocle is a corrective lens used to enhance visual perception in one eye. It consists of a circular lens, generally with a wire ring around the circumference, that can be attached to a string or wire. The other end of the string is connected to clothing, so you don't lose the monocle. So part of the monocle is the fact that you're probably going to lose it. That wow. just comes with the job. That is a huge, <laughs> the biggest description of the smallest, <laughs> stupidest thing. Okay. But yeah, continue for sure. For sure. All right. I love hearing about monocles. Yeah. Here's something interesting too. This is what we're basically going to learn about. British monocles, funny and dumb. German monocles, scary and evil. Are you ready? How? How? I'm going to tell you. Whoa. Oh, my God. Okay. So, um, monocles first really became a thing in the 1720s when some German baron in Rome wore one to examine these, like, engravings and gems. He was a prolific gem guy. Um, And then he was also, like, one of the first people to live, like, openly as a gay man i mean when was this the 1720s whoa yeah um and then the monocles didn't really take off then they were probably just like oh he's just using them for jewelry whatever but they became like a fashion thing in the early 19th century okay so we can't attribute the fashion thing to him then no also he was using a monocle how i feel they should be used which is just to like examine things briefly yeah like a he's like a mini detective yeah like a mini detective of gems i get it you know now they have better devices for that whatever right okay um so the the monocle became popular in the regency era of london which is 1811 to 1820 and it's called this because basically the king at the time george the third had dimension was blind and deaf and they were like no, he cannot be ruling anymore. This guy is a lunatic. He also had bipolar disorder. And then George the Fourth took over. Um, and he was like, yes, queen, yes. And he was like, <laughs> everybody's going to learn elegance and achievements in the arts. And we're all going to be like thriving, posh British men. Um, Ooh, who gave them permission? Who gave them permission? King George the Fourth. Um, and this is when dandyism... Um, took mm. off and dandyism is basically just like a world of Fraser. um like dapper as hell like dapper with like leisurely hobbies and refined language and like sharp appearances and just like absolute prime douchery was this when like scrooge was a thing because like i feel like scrooge had a monocle and he wasn't like dapper at all he was gross um i don't believe that dickens actually wrote a monocle into scrooge but he did 
he had a, he had one though. Like, no, no, no. Let's be real. Nope. I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to Dickinson Monocles. You bet that's on my page. No way. Really? Yep. Yep. Because here's the thing. What? Even at the time, monocles were considered like a pretentious, douchey joke. Wait. What? Yes, because all the British dandies would wear them, and they were so stupid. Um, they had glasses on, like no sticks, way. and they had looking glasses or quizzing glass which is basically a magnifying glass with a circle handle um and dickens um lampooned them in one of his stories he made like all of his evil characters have like be idiots with monocles and stuff he started it he started the villainry no we'll get to that too well he just kind of made people idiots with them really um okay so he made them stupid not evil in them yeah um mostly stupid um so there are three styles of monocles i'm basically a framed monocle just you know with a wire frame around it framed with like a raised edge to keep it out of the eye socket and to keep your eyelashes away from it that's called a gallery and then there's a totally frameless one with serrated edges that doesn't sound good wait that one with the monocle are you holding it up to your eye are you no holding it in with your eye you're holding it in with your eye so a serrated edge i mean i'm sure they're smooth but i don't really know there was not much information on the serrated monocle but that was for less wealthy people wealthy people would mostly have them like custom made to fit their eye sockets Um, monocles will mostly stay in if you put them in your eye just holds them unless you raise your eyebrows too high and that's where the whole trope of like people's monocles falling out and being stupid came from well, um, like, I feel like it's really dumb to only have one thing to see out of. Well, it's also I mean, what, dumb because be real. they're not the prescription lenses at the time. You know, they're just like a magnifying lens you have in one eye. You would right. not be able to go anywhere. No. No. So it's incredibly stupid. I couldn't people, drive. People were like, that's dumb. I don't I wouldn't think be able to read. It's stupid. Again, it was never a cool thing. It was always... <laughs> a douchey thing and it still is that's really gonna stick with me yes um and then so it's basically for upper class wealthy men then in world war one and world war two the german military like didn't realize how stupid monocles had become and they were like we love these monocles and then they would wear them and fight on the wrong side of the wars and then they became associated with scary villains Ooh. I see, I see, I see. So there's two sides to this glass, if you will. (laughs) Now, here's the only other fact I have. And it's the most interesting one. Monocles briefly (laughs) gained a following in early 20th lesbian circles. What? The women started claiming the monocle. They're supposed to use these, like, dainty lorgnettes, which are glasses attached to a stick that you hold up when you want to look close at something. And these women were like fuck that we want what the boys have and like the lesbians were like repping monocles left and right i mean i love it and that's probably the only time it was ever close to cool do we see i mean i respect that do we see monocles today um only on douche people or costumes there's no need for them because we have better 
things like glasses or contacts or laser surgery or <laughs> binoculars or bifocals or literally any other type of viewing enhancing device. Okay. I think in order to increase my wealth, fame, reputation, knowledge, nope, that's and career. not in a feng shui at all, I will wear a monocle in all rooms of my home. I feel like you're rapidly lose wealth and friends partnerships even i don't see this ending well for you (laughs) well put up a little thing on your instagram and just ask people would you be friends with me if i wore a monocle and you get all no's i'm gonna try it scott has one from um your new year's eve party uh vision oh right yeah we did do that it was 2020 flappers in no, only coats. you wanted to be a flapper. The rest of us oh. were just doctors. Okay, well, you guys were 2020 ophthalmologists. Uh, yeah. W- and Scott had a monocle. Yeah, that's great. So we still have that, and I could just test that out before I make a larger purchase. Great. I think that's a great, great thing for you. You let me know how that journey goes. Yeah, no problem. Actually, no, I do want to know about it. Okay. I'll keep you in the loop. Thanks so much. It's okay. I'm going to end this recording. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Listen to Learning with Lauren and Mary wherever you listen to podcasts. If there's a topic you're interested in learning about, email us at learning at laurenandmary.com.